0: Certainly, Mark, listen, but you uh, open your Bible this evening to 1 Kings, First Kings, chapter number 1, and we're going to look at chapter 1 in 1 Kings and then also in chapter 2. Now, I'm planning on speaking on this subject for the next two Sunday nights, tonight and next Sunday night, and uh, we'll look at the subject here. And so a little bit of reading this this evening, and we'll look at two different passages, chapter two, chapter one. Let's start in chapter one of 1 Kings, of course, King David. The Bible says, now King David was old and stricken in years. Bible scholars tell us anywhere between the age of 70 and 80 years of age. Now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. If you've learned, the older you get, that, is, that kind of becomes a problem. Wherefore, his servants said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord the king a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, and my lord the king may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coasts of Israel, and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair. And cherished the king and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. Then Adnagi, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? And he also was a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zerah, and with Abiathar, the priest. And they, following Adonijah, helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, and Re, and the mighty men which belonged to David, were not with Adnagi. And Adnagi slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zoholeth, and which is by Angergol, and called all his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, doth reign, and David our lord knoweth it not? Now therefore come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel, that thou mayest save thine own life, and the life of thy son Solomon." Go and get thee unto King David, and say unto him, Didst not thou my lord, O king, swear unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon thy th- my throne. Why then doth Adnagi reign? Now I want you to go to chapter 2, and let's begin reading with verse number 13. We're going to kind of find the end of this story. The Bible says in verse 13 of chapter 2 of 1 Kings, And Adnagi the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. He said, Moreover, I have somewhat to say to thee. And she said, Say on. And he said, Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their face on me, that I should reign. Howbeit the kingdom is turned about and is become my brothers, for it was his from the Lord. And now I ask one petition of thee, did I mean not, and she said unto him, Say on. And he said, Speak, I pray thee, unto Solomon the king, for he will not say thee nay, and he give me Abishag the Shunammite to wife. And Bathsheba said, Well, I will speak for thee unto the king. And Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak unto him for Adnagi. And the king rose up to meet her, and bowed himself unto her, and sat down on his throne, and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother, and she sat on the right hand. Then she said, "I desire one small petition of thee. I pray thee, say me not nay." And the king said unto her, "Ask on my mother, for I will not say thee nay." And she said, "Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife." And King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, "And why dost thou ask Abishag for Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also." For he is mine elder brother, even for him, and for Abiathar, the priest, and for Joab, the son of Zeruah. Then King Solomon swear by the Lord, saying, God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah hath not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me, and set me on the throne of David, my father, and who hath made me in house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah the son of Jehoiada And he fell upon him that he died Heavenly Father I pray you'll help us in Jesus name, Amen Now what we just read here is the eldest son of David Who tried to conspire and take the kingdom He had a plot By the way the reason he wanted Abishag to be wife She was a part of it She had worked with him And so we understand that Because God had not promised the throne to Adonijah, he had promised the throne to Solomon. So this was David's son, eldest son, trying to work a plan to become king of Israel. I want you to notice, verse 6 is my text tonight and will be for a couple of weeks, but I think this is very important. I want to make a few introductory statements. David was a wonderful king. David was a mighty man of war. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. David was quite a man. For many, many years, for decades, God blessed the line and the the family of David because of David. He said, for many years later, he said, I'm going to bless thee because of thy father's sake. So I don't want you to misunderstand me. David was quite the man. But he had a weakness. As all of us have weaknesses, I believe as you read the word of God and you really do a study on David. And by the way, he's one of the most interesting characters in all the Bible to do a study on. I mean, his life was so full of everything. I mean, war. I mean, love. I mean, it had it all. It had had deception. I mean, you read the life of David and honestly, reality TV has nothing on his life. I mean, here was a young man that was out in the, out in the fields watching the, the sheep, the least of his brethren, and Samuel comes and anoints him king. He's a giant slayer. I mean, he could play a harp. Uh, he had many men follow him. He was a great king. I mean, people gave their life for him, his own mighty men. He just one day wished that he could drink where he drunk as a little boy, and his, and his mighty men, several of his men went through the lines of Philistines Just to get him a drink of water. I mean, he was a a unique man. But he had a weakness. And I believe his weakness time and time time again was shown in the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you what it was. It's shown right here in verse 6. Can I tell you what his weakness was? His parenting. His parenting. His history. The trend of David shows... A history of weakness. And by the way, he had a trend. I want you to notice, we don't turn there, but you can, if you're making notes, make notes of this. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, he had a son. His name was Amnon. The Bible said Amnon had a friend. And the Bible says that Amnon lusted, and he, said, he used the word love. He loved his own sister. But we know that it wasn't love. We know that it was lust. And so his friend taught him how to play like he was sick. He got his, his daughter in there. And I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. I'm going to be very careful. But he did something unseemly to his own sister. Now what would you think that David would do, the father would do, after his own son did this unseemly? I'm going to tell you what the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 13. The Bible said he got mad, but he did nothing. He did nothing. He did nothing. And to be quite honest with you, Absalom was so upset about it, he went to his father and said, what are you gonna do? And his dad did nothing. This is the king, the most powerful man in Israel. He did nothing to his son that did this to his own daughter. And so then we see in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 28, Absalom takes matters into his own hands and he murders Amnon. Now here, I want you to think about this, and we all know why this took place. Because the Bible said, because of David's sin, that the sword would never depart from his home. So, this I want you to see this picture. He has a brother, and there's a Caesar's son named Amnon. He does an unseemly act with his sister. Nothing's done. Absalom then takes matters into his own hand, kills his brother Amnon. So, now David has a son that is dead, and he has a daughter that has been violated. Now he has a son, that is a murderer, and he's fleeing. And David did nothing to Absalom. Then we find in 2 Samuel chapter 15 Absalom takes over the throne. He overthrows his own father. I mean, you talk about loyalty, you're talking about deception, you talking about a low somebody, and I'm gonna be honest, I want to just say this. Anybody that would do that to their father is quite some type of a low something. But Absalom takes over the throne, overthrows his father, and now look, I'm not saying that David should have killed his own children, but I'm going to tell you something, there should have been something. (laughs) The Bible said what David did, he just withdrew. And the battle took place later on, and we know that Absalom was killed. Joab killed him, and they had a great victory. And the Bible said they should have celebrated the great victory, and David was not celebrating because his son was killed. Then we read right here in 1 Kings, we read of his eldest son, Adonijah. He tries to overtake the throne, and you're going to find out why. Verse 6 tells you. And his father, notice the wording here. And his father had not displeased him, notice this, at any time. So can I paraphrase? Abnejah was never disciplined. Can I give you another paraphrase for that? That he never displeased him at any time? He was not only never disciplined, he was a spoiled child. All of these actions have one thing in common. With every bit of his children, with all that went on in his home, it was this, it was this. There was absolute no, complete, absolutely no discipline. And his children usurped authority all through their life. How could this be? Now we know foremost, this happened mainly, primarily, because of the sin of David. The Bible said, the Lord told him, the sword would never depart from your home. And boy, did David face it. But why was his children? Why was his sons? Why did they behave the way they did? Now we know, children are known by their doings. They are sinful. We are sinful. Our children are sinful. I'm sinful. So we can't blame every sin that's been done on our parents or the way we were raised. But I'm going to tell you this right now. It's important. We see this in verse 6 because the Bible said, why would the Lord put this little phrase in here if it wasn't important? And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, why hast thou done so? In other words, he never disciplined him. And you read it there in verse 6. Adonijah, here's why, here's why. Are y'all ready? Here's why. This is what the Bible says. He lacked proper biblical discipline. Now, I want y'all to write this down because I'm going to give lessons the next two Sunday nights. Not that I'm an authority on it. Not that I'm a pro on it. Not that I'm an expert. But I'm going to tell you this. I have now two children that are up. and They're well up into their adulthood. And I've learned from our mistakes. I've learned from others' mistakes. And I have taken note of all of these things. Plus, we have the Word of God. So we have an authority with the Word of God. And I want to help you tonight help every parent and I want every parent to understand this if you have a child in your home you have the greatest responsibility and you have the hardest most greatest difficult task that you have ever has ever been laid upon you and it is going to take effort it is going to take work it is going to take focus it is going to take more than what the average folks do and try to deal with it today it should consume you if you're a parent Adonijah like proper biblical discipline. He was more... Here's what David was. I know you've heard me say this before. But he was more concerned about his children being happy than his children being right. Get it down. I see this time and time and time again. And I understand it. Because what God's asking us to do in discipling our children is not natural for us to do. I will just share with you when I was a boy... I could not stand it when my mother or my father was dissing with me. I didn't say I couldn't stand them. It bothered me and I knew it bothered them that our fellowship was broke just for a short period of time while I was being disciplined. They had to deal with me in a rough way. And so I wasn't always laughing. I wasn't always happy. I wasn't always okay with what was going on. But I thank God that I had parents that wasn't just worried about me being happy in the moment. They thought about my future. And I'm going to tell you something, parents, it is hard to discipline your children because we it's not natural for us to do it. And when I said this morning that you're going to have to have natural enablement or spiritual enablement or supernatural enablement, it's going to have to be supernaturally enabled in you to do what is not natural for you to do. I'll never forget a deacon of ours at Greystone. Love him to death. He's here. He was here years ago. He came in as his wife. His name's Eldon Dean, and he was a great man, wonderful man. And uh, I remember he said to me one day, and, I, and he was serious. And if y'all have ever seen Kaylee, I mean, she's pretty. But when she was a little girl, I mean, my goodness, she had them big old blue eyes. She had that curly blonde hair. And, I mean, she was just jovial. And I'll never forget it. Kaylee would test you, boy. She tried you. She was different than Clay. Clay would just kind of humble up. Buddy, she like... Pour it on. And she had that attitude about her. So, by the way, I had to learn something. You had to stay with her. Because, you know, children are like this. Here's what children do. Children just keep coming. And here's what they do. They keep coming. They come at different angles. They do everything. But what they try to get you to do is move. And let me tell you something. When you move, you just hit the reset button. Because they know if they got you to move, it might have taken them four months to do it. But they know they got you to move, so next time they might try six. And Kaylee was that way. That was just her spirit. That was her attitude. And so Kaylee got disciplined a lot. Kaylee got more, she got disciplined more than Clay as a child. Now, Eldon Dean walked up to me one day. He so said, I'm going to tell you one thing. He said, I don't know how in the world you can discipline that girl. He said, looking at her with them big blue eyes and her smiling and she looked, I said, I know, but I said, you ain't her daddy. But I'm gonna tell you all this. It is hard. If a parent enjoys disciplining their children, something's wrong with the parent. But if a parent won't do it, something's wrong with the parent. See, it ain't got nothing to do about it. you can't do it. You must do it. Because you're not just thinking about that child's present right now. You're thinking about that child's future. And can I help everybody here just a second? Your child will be somebody's spouse. And guess who? You're training them. You know, I taught the teens the other day in the teen class. Went down there and I told the teenagers. I was talking about marriage. And I told all the teenagers. I said, look, and I mean this. And I'll say it again to all the teenagers and all the children. And I know you don't think this way, but I promise you. If a child will not show the love and respect to their parents like they should, they'll never show the love and respect to their spouse like they should. You know why I know that? Because I'm going to tell you something. As a child, the people that are giving everything to you is your parents. They are sacrificing for you. They are loving you. They are doing everything they can to protect you. They are providing everything for you. And if you cannot properly love your parents, I'm going to promise you this, you won't learn how to properly love a spouse that's not even your flesh and blood. So I tell people, watch. if you're dating somebody, you better watch the way they treat their parents. You better watch the way they talk to their parents. And I tell every little girl that's dating or courting an old boy, I say, look, how does he treat his mom and dad? Because I'm going to tell you something right now. The way that young man treats his mom and dad, he's going to treat you worse. Because there is no greater bond of love in life as a child. See, when you have a relationship as a child with a parent, you're only... All you're doing is cultivating a relationship how you learn how to love someone else. And so if you can't love and respect your parents, you're going to be behind the eight ball, so to speak, when you get married. So what was his problem? I'm going to tell you what was his problem. He never wanted him to be unhappy, and so he always was letting him be happy. And he, he look here, David helped kill the boy that's what the Bible says the Bible said right here in verse 6 he said you never displeased him David You, you spoiled him you never disciplined him and guess what he became a schemer he became a plotter he became a sneak and he tried to steal his own dad's throne and guess what he got caught and then he tried to sneak around the back door with Solomon he didn't go to Solomon he went to the mother and by the way he tricked her By the way, he's good at it. I've learned something about children that are not disciplined and spoiled. They're good. And what amazes me, sometimes the people that should be able to pick them out and to see what's going on, just like Bathsheba. She she went to her own son and here's what her son said. He said, Mom, why are you coming here and asking me that? Not only are you asking for my eldest brother to have this woman that he don't have any business having, are you going to ask for the kingdom too? You know why Solomon got so mad? Because he knew the deception. He knew his brother. And he knew his brother was spoiled. He knew his brother was a plotter. He knew his brother was a schemer. And he knew that his father never disciplined him. So he knew what was going on. He knew that Jai had gotten his hooks in his own mom. Look, the undisciplined or rebellious child can and will destroy the harmony of a home. They will destroy the harmony of relationships. And here's the saddest thing. If it's not corrected, they will destroy their own life. And David robbed David. In verse 6, because he would not ever discipline this Adnijiah, he also was helpful in ruining the harmony of his family. What did he do? What happens when parents, and even if I, we just do things without discipline. If we don't try to teach discipline. Or if we don't try to teach what is right, we don't try to teach biblical. And by the way, I said proper biblical discipline. There is a difference. Proper biblical discipline. And I want to deal with it in the next tonight and next week. But what happens when parents have robbed? They rob this joy or this uh, in the in the children's lives. Here's what happens. What happens is, truthfully, we really help rob the child in a joyful future. Just not by exercising proper biblical discipline. Now, look, we had a young man here today, and he did something in in the church. And I'm going to be honest with you. I I don't have all of the wisdom in the world. I really don't. I don't have all the wisdom in the world. I know I'm older, but I've learned a lot of things. And, you know, let me just say this a lot of times discipline should be done based on the response of the child. Mm -hmm. Now this young man that had done something here in the church, I already could tell when he came to me, he was already hurting, he was already struggling, he knew what he did was wrong, and he had a spirit about him, that he was broke. I could tell he was ashamed. I could tell he was hurting. And so I had a choice to make when he was brought up to me for me to talk to him. I could have ripped that poor little boy's head off and cut him from top to bottom with my words or I could try to ask God to give me wisdom on how is the best way that this child learns love and discipline. So the way I handled it, I don't know if I handled it properly, but I'm going to say this. My motive for that child was to help him and to love him and to understand there's consequences to sin. But you say, Pastor, have you dealt with him like that 15 years ago? Probably not. Probably not. I probably would have not recognized how he was already responding, and I probably would have been a little bit more harsh than I should have been. Now there's times that we have to be harsh but honestly you're not just being spiritual we're not just being biblical proper biblical discipline is not that it's just harsh all the time. We have to ask God to give us wisdom. So when I say proper biblical discipline that's on the part of the parents that is on the part of even our workers here and how we handle children because it matters how we properly biblically discipline them. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 tells us and teaches us that we are born with a sinful nature. So we know that right off the bat. We also understand the natural child, the untrained heart of every child develops this. They develop self-centeredness and they lack they lack self-control. We know the Bible teaches us that about children. We know this. So it it we notice the marks even here in the life of Adonijah. We see it right here. He had no self-control. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because he wanted the throne before his father was dead. He couldn't help himself. He had no self-control. So a rebellious child, a child that's never been disciplined, they don't care. They're not going to wait. They feel like, hey, this is mine. I'm going to get it and I'm going to do any way to get it. But what happens is, They have no self-control in their life. And by the way, that's dangerous. That's one reason why discipline is so important because you're trying to put self-control into a child because they're going to need more self-control when they get older. Then, notice the marks of Adonijah. He had no self-control, but notice this. He was full of pride. How do you know that, Pastor? Because here's what he said. He exalted himself. Nobody was tooting his horn. He tooted his own horn. He said, I'm going to be king. He had no humility. Why? Because he didn't have to learn humility. He'd gotten anything he wanted. He was never displeased. He was always happy. His father always let him go. He never disciplined him. So it helped create this pride in this man's life. He said, hey, I'm somebody. I can raise up against my father. I'm going to take. And here's how disrespectful he was. David's not even dead yet. Notice this. Here's another mark of Adonijah, an undisciplined child. Selfish rebellion. Notice what he said. Here's what he said I will be king. He said, I will be. He self appointed himself to be king. And God had already promised Solomon the king. He didn't promise Solomon the throne. But yet Adonijah is living in this little fantasy world. And by the way, an undisciplined, rebellious child lives in a fantasy world. Everything revolves around them. I will be king. Notice this. Here's the other one. I mentioned this earlier. Here's another mark of Adonijah. We need to mark this. He was deceitful. He used others in his plan. He used Abishag. By the way, he used Bathsheba after the fight, trying to get his way. And Bathsheba was perfectly okay with it. You know why? She felt sorry for him. But he was deceitful. And by the way, I've learned this. All of us can be deceitful. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We all know that this is not all of us, but I'm going to tell you something. You leave a child left to themselves and they're able to connive and scheme their way through life. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not going to end when they're a child. They just get, become better schemers. They just become better deceivers. They just become bigger plotters. And then we got bigger messes when they get older. And one of the reasons why is they've ne- they are not being dealt with in a biblical proper way. So we see all of these marks right here with Adonijah. Now one of the greatest gifts that you can give your children... Or any child. Is to teach them biblical obedience. Write it down. It's the greatest gift. I know they don't like it. I didn't like it. You didn't like it. But it will serve them all through their life. If you will give them the gift. And teach them biblical uh, obedience. Now here. This is where I want to. I'm probably going to close right here. But it's very important. To teach them biblical obedience through what? Just write these few little adjectives down. Because I think they're important. Number one through godliness. What's the goal? Why are we disciplining a child? Do we want them to be good or do we want them to be spiritual? Do we want them to be good or do we want them to be godly? So the biblical, proper biblical discipline and teaching them biblical obedience, what is the, the, the gifts of that? Well, one is because we want, to, we want to teach them in godliness. And then second, let me just say this. It ought to all, excuse me, it ought to always be loving. Now, when you have to discipline a child, a child is not going to be their first response to you is, oh, they're doing this because they love me. That's why you have to tell them you love them. I didn't understand that when I was a kid, but my mom used to say to me all the time, my dad, both of them, they say, now look, I, I know you don't understand this, and they're right, I didn't understand it. But they said, we're doing this because we love you. I didn't understand it then, but I'm going to tell you all right now, I do now. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I do now. And by the way, your children are not always going to be children. They're going to become adults, and they're going to get up one day and they're gonna say, wow, I understand that. You know when they'll really understand it? When they have children. But it's still a lesson that needs to be learned. It has to be loving. By the way, I've said this. People don't really care what you know till they know you care. Same with your children. Why are we disciplining our children? Why are we being so tough there? Or why are we being so, because it should be love. We want the best for them. We want them to be godly. We want them to be loving. Teach the biblical obedience through godly, loving discipline. Can I just speak to you a little while, these next, tonight, next week, I'll probably this is just introduction, but I want to speak to you on that thought. Loving biblical discipline. And yes, I've chose those words exactly the way, on purpose, because discipline should be loving. If it's not loving, you're not doing it right. You know one reason why? When we just walk around a child, and by the way, you better be very careful doing that in public today. If you're just always yelling at a kid and just yelling at them and screaming at them and yelling at them, here's the problem that I have with that. Do they really know that that's motivated in love? It takes a whole lot more than just yelling at a kid and telling them what to do and what not to do. That means it has to take time to explain why, why it's best, give them the reason for their future, and also let me say this, good biblical uh, discipline is teaching them who they're living for. Why should they be doing this? Not because of mom and dad. Because by the way, if you make you the goal, what happens if you die? They don't have to do it anymore because you made yourself the goal. No, God's always the goal. Amen? So we're going to speak on loving biblical discipline. And I'm going to close tonight, but I'll just give you the first thought. The first big point for next Sunday. The first big point is the motive and I've just dealt with it a little bit. The motive of discipline. I'm going to go ahead and give you the motive and I'll preach on it next week. You know what the motive is? Here's what it is. You are shaping a heart for life. You are shaping, you are helping to shape a heart of a child that will become an adult for life. So that's why it's so very important that we understand what loving biblical discipline is. Amen? And I know this is just all by way of introduction. I want to finish this up next week. But I'm going to talk about the motive of discipline, the method of discipline, the mistakes of discipline, We'll talk about all this, hopefully. If we don't get done next Sunday night, we'll hit it the next Sunday night. So I hope you'll stick around. We'll do our very best to use biblical principles to be a very great help to you. Can I ask all the children and teenagers to look at me tonight? Can I just say, I've been where you've been. I have sat in these pews. Not these pews. I sat in a much smaller building than you did growing up. And I sat in the very back, in the second row from the back. That was the Brandon's pew. I was there every service. I'm I'm telling you, I was there every service. My mom made sure I was there every service. She even made me come on Super Bowl night. And that was before you could DVR stuff. I mean, there wasn't no question with mom who was going to be at church. Now, we might walk in late. Somebody say amen. But we was there. She's back here shaking her head. But I'm going to tell you right now, as an adult, children, I want you to know something. There was a many a sunny nights and Sunday mornings I sat in church saying, oh my goodness, here the preacher goes again. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I can go back all through my life and sit in those services and go back that I really didn't think I was listening. But when I got older and certain things was happening in my life, I could go back into a pew that I heard that very thing that my preacher said. And I wish I would have listened and did more then. Now look at me, children, you have an opportunity. And by the way, I'm going to say this. I don't know if I'm boring or not. But I can promise you this. I love Mr. Pilkington, but he was a whole lot more soft-spoken and monotone than me. And I was on purpose, and many times I wasn't even on purpose listening But I'm telling you as a child I can still remember Mr. Pilkington speaking on many occasions and I thought it was boring and I thought it was oh I can't wait to get out of here. But I'm telling you right now as an adult I've looked back through that many many times and I wish I would have listened. So I'm doing my best to keep your attention. I'm using voice inflection. I'm waving my arms. I'm yelling. I'm talking soft. And the reason I do that is because when I was a boy, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that because it would have helped me stay tuned. So I'm telling you children, teenagers, Sunday nights, Sunday mornings, and Wednesday night is not a waste of time. And I'm going to go something else out here too. We need to be careful letting all of our teens and these children miss church services. I'm not against them serving and helping but I'm telling you right now they need to be in church they need to be in their Sunday school class and they need to be in the teen department that's my position on it now you're the moms and the dads but I'm telling you right now this time of their life they need more training than they need to be teaching let them get trained and then they can teach by the way we kind of had a little rule years ago it really shouldn't be doing any of that until they get in 10th grade anyway we've opened the choir up Earlier than that, but I really would wish that the children, teens or anybody would not be going over and working in any ministries until they get older, 10th grade. That's my personal opinion on that. I think it's safe because I promise you, they need the word. Promise. They can learn how to serve and work later because they're going to do it. By the way, there's a lot of ways they can serve and work Anytime we have a meal or something, there's all kinds of work to be done. They can serve there. And so I'm just trying to be encouraging to you. I'm trying to be helpful. And look, I am not telling you because I'm an expert. I can promise you we have made just as many mistakes as anybody has. But I think we would all be foolish if we would not try to learn from our mistakes. Amen. And so let's be concerned about loving biblical discipline. That's going to be the subject next Sunday night. Amen, and I pray God will help us. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Can I just ask, could could we just open up the altar tonight and just open it up to everyone? I don't know about you, but our... Are you burdened about this young generation? I'm I'm burdened about the younger generation. So could we maybe just have a little time of prayer here? Maybe some of you would come around this altar tonight and maybe we would just ask God to help us to be the right kind of and have the right kind of loving biblical discipline here. And we can truly make a difference in shaping the hearts of children. That's our desire, really. Is that your desire? I'm thrilled when I see a young person that's living a life of what they've been taught and it's became theirs. and That's a joyful thing, isn't it? How many of you are like me? You have a burden for this generation. You're just concerned. It's not like it used to be. Would you raise your hand? Could I ask y'all? would you come find a place around the altar tonight? Let's just pray. You find your pew there, wherever. You, let's, they're going to play. Let's just take some time. Let's pray. If you're a parent, can I ask you, would you really, really, really ask God to give you wisdom? Because honestly, what God is asking you to do, it, I'm telling you, it is, it is impossible without his help because he's asking you to do things that's not natural for you to do it's not natural it's not natural it doesn't come easy it really doesn't it does not come easy while they're in your home, yes, they should always be on your mind, they should always you should have a a sense of what's going on in their life, their heart You you ought to know the tone of their life you ought to be so in connection and in tune with your children that you know what's going on before somebody tells you I believe that I believe that I don't know. I, I'm just going to share this with you. That little boy come up here today and he done something and his, his demeanor, he was already broke. And here's what crossed my mind. It wouldn't have probably crossed it 15 years ago, but I thought, you know what? This boy needs to be handled and dealt with in a way that if that was my son and he came home and had to tell me that he did something wrong, I would hope, and that's what I was thinking, is I hope that if that was even my child, I wouldn't be ashamed of how he was handled. You think about that. And I, I probably wouldn't have done that 15 years ago. But he was broke, wasn't he, Jim? I believe he was. His demeanor, he wasn't rolling his eyes. He was very ashamed for what he did. So why keep pouring it on But by the way, there's consequence to it. He's got to fix it. Because there is a consequence to sin. But you know what? We can do that lovingly. We really can. And I hope and pray we'll have that spirit here. There's times we've got to get tough, but it should always be with love. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and grace. Help us. Now, Lord, we failed you in so many ways in this area. And Lord, I'm certainly not an expert in this. But Lord, I've learned a lot even now at my age, where I'm at, just by studying this passage and the detriment. And David had no idea, he had no idea at that moment that he was helping to cultivate a rebellious heart. And Lord, I I know many of us, we have no, that's not our intentions to do something in a way to, to to, to cultivate this in our children. But Lord, we need to realize the importance of the loving biblical discipline. And I pray you'll help us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night.